87%, yeah, that's the percentage of all real estate agents that get in the business today that'll be gone in two years. Let me tell you something, why is there so much turnover in real estate? Because it isn't easy. And because most people don't know exactly what they need to do to get to the next level. Now look, regardless of whether you're brand new to the industry or, you've, or you're a team leader, you've got 40 people on your team and you just wanna to get to the next level. If you're doing 10 transactions a year, you wanna to get to 25. You're doing 500 transactions a year, you wanna to get to 1,000. You're at 1,000, you wanna to get to 10,000. Let me tell you something, you need the right coach. Why? Because Club Wealth is the only coaching company on the planet that will literally guarantee that you will double your income or make at least an extra $100,000 your first year coaching with us, or we will give you 100% of your investment back. This is for people of all levels. Click the link below, sign up for the appropriate tier level, and let's get you a strategy session today. And I promise you, I 100% guarantee you, promise you, that you will walk away with a heart full of gratitude for the time that we took for you because you got so much value out of that call. Schedule your strategy session today. I promise you'll be glad you did. Sign up for a strategy session at clubwealth.com slash strategy session. Welcome to Club Wealth TV, everyone. My name is Michael Hellickson. I'm here with Donnie Morrow, Mr. Donnie, 600 plus transactions a year. Morrow, he's a coach for Club Wealth. This guy's a freaking baller. And uh, let me tell you, we're talking about how you should ignore the the media out there, the noise of the media, the noise of the marketplace, how you can ignore all that and succeed anyway, and literally have your best year ever in 2024. Donnie, I am so excited that you're here today uh, on Club Wealth TV. So tell us, what do you mean by this? Like, so first of all, let's let's. I, I want to preface this with. It's important to take advice from people who have actually had some success before. You are clearly someone that has had a lot of success. Uh, and so I appreciate you sharing this with us. Tell us how, you know, like, what is the noise out there, first of all? What is the media saying? Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for having me on, Michael. And I just feel like it's a combination of everything from people hearing, hearing about lawsuits to the fact that it's the end of the year to the fact that people are hearing there are fewer home sales to the fact that interest rates are up from last year, whatever the case might be. And I just feel like there's multiple factors, more factors than normal that are influencing realtors and other people in the real estate space and making them question themselves and question their actions. And here's the deal. I believe that you have to have the belief that what you're going to do is going to have results. Otherwise, your heart isn't going to be in it, right? Like I don't go to jujitsu and let people choke me and choke other people because I don't think I'm going to get better at being able to do that. And I think sometimes in real estate, we listen to this noise so much that we think that we're wasting our time and we don't believe that it's going to work for us. You know, it's interesting you say that because I think it's disheartening to a lot of people, right? They right. think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to work so hard and then I'm going to build all this stuff up and then the the there's somebody's going to take it away with a lawsuit or, you know, the interest rates are going to prohibit me from being able to be successful next year or, you know, whatever. Some outside influence is going to make it impossible for me to, to achieve my dreams and my goals and and honestly, man, I, I I don't think anything could be further from the truth. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, tell tell me about this. I want I want your take on this. Let's let's just take one of these bites at a time. Let's start with interest rates. What kind of impact is interest rates going to have on real estate agents and and loan officers in twenty twenty four? Well, you know, I don't think anybody knows the exact answer to that. What I do know is what the impact the interest rates have had over the last 18 months. So let's think about it. Interest rates have gone from 3% up to almost 8% in the last 18 months and come back down. 
here was the impact, a what, 166% increase in rates. Do we think we're going to get another 166% increase, by the way, which would put us at 20, by the way. So that's not going to happen. So first of all, we've weathered the worst of the storm. Yeah. Okay. As far as that part goes, it's not going to increase by another 160%. So you've seen the impact of what higher interest rates have. For instance, most markets I'm hearing are down somewhere between 20 and 30% in sales from a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go back 18 months, they're probably down a little bit more. But what does that mean? It just means that there's 80% of the sales that there were. Houses are still being sold every day by real estate agents. Sellers are still selling. Buyers are still buying. People are still moving. It means you may have to adjust your plan, but it's just the challenge of this year. Uh, The example I give people a lot of times is when I got in the business in 2013, guess what? People had no equity. They were upside down. Yeah, they could get a great interest rate, but I had to walk in the door as a brand new real estate agent and hey, say, hey, you know, you're going to write a $15,000 check to sell your home. And oh, by the way, pay me $12,000 in commission. Right. Like, think about that. There's always a challenge in real estate. The interest rates just happen to be the challenge of this year. And we have to find a way to overcome that. Now, to answer the question, how are they going to impact us next year? Depends on what they do. Uh, I don't ever pretend to have a crystal ball. I can tell you I bought a rental property a month ago. My interest rate was like 7.78. And I got a contract on some last week and my interest rate is six and seven eighths, a 1% drop in about 60 days from when I put that first one under contract. And I think if rates go down, we're going to see an increase in activity. There could be this perfect storm to where there are sellers that are on the sidelines right now because they have a low rate. They decide, okay, I don't want to give up my 3%, but I'll give it up for six. I'm not giving it up for eight, but I'll give it up for six. And at the same time, there's buyers in the market that say, not buying at eight, I wish it would go to three, but I'll settle for six. So you could be in this situation where you have the perfect storm and sales could be the highest that we ever see. Uh, Donnie, I love that you said that because that's literally what I think is going to happen. I, I, I think you're exactly spot on. And by the way, owner-occupied rates, uh, I was talking to Madison uh, this morning, in fact, and she said that she, Madison's my daughter, for those of you that don't know, she owns a mortgage company also. And she said that she's literally seeing homeowners getting in the fives already for owner-occupied rates right now. Uh, guys, listen, it's happening right now now. And what's going to happen is the media is going to be two to three months behind like they always are. And when the media comes out and starts talking about this, and then all of a sudden people realize, oh my gosh, it's down to in the fives again, I better make a move, right? I better do something. So more inventory will come on the market and you'll see more buyers come out of the woodwork. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be a perfect storm. And here's what's where it gets really exciting, Donnie. This is the part that I'm super excited about. What's happened to real estate agents this year? How many real estate left the business? Uh, That's exactly tons of them. And I don't even think we know how many. I don't think there's any true way to really know. The NAR statistics aren't going to be accurate because a lot of people bailed out of NAR after the whole fiasco with the sexual harassment and all that going on at NAR. So you had a lot of people jumping out of NAR and then the lawsuit thing and then people got out for that reason as well. And so I don't know that NAR's numbers are going to be able to be even super accurate. But I think when you really get down to it, 
even if it's whether it's agents that were a full-time real estate agent that's just plain got out of the business or agents that said, you know, I'm going to have to go get a second job now. And so they're going to start being dual career, which in most cases means that their production is going to completely go away. Uh, and if not completely, then almost entirely go away. And they're certainly not going to be out there prospecting for new business. They're going to be working their new job, right? And right. so what's going to happen is just like in 2006 to 2008, where 2006, we were at 4.6 transactions per agent per year annually, roughly. And by 2008, the height of the Great Recession, we were at 8.8 transactions per agent per year. Why? Because fewer there was, what's that? Fewer agents. Yeah, fewer agents and the transaction count came back. And I think that's exactly what's going to go on. And I don't even, I, I think it's even bigger than that. I think what's going to happen is we're going to have fewer agents and the transaction is going to come back in spades. I, I think we're going to see a huge jump in transaction count in 2024. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot fewer agents to handle it. And I think the agents that remain are going to make a ton of money. As, let me rephrase. As long as they're working, as long as they're I doing the work. product thing. So, and that's what I want to ask you about too, Donnie, is what's well, okay. So you've got what, 60 agents on your team. I mean, you're a big team. What are you telling your agents they need to do right now to position themselves, first of all, to survive the short term, but second of all, to really position themselves to have a great 2024? Yeah, to us, it's all about business planning so they know where they want to be in 2024 and then doubling down on the basics. Let's face it, real estate is a context sport. I always tell everybody, I can tell you what you're going to do next year based on two things. Number one, how many people do you talk to about real estate? Because you could be the best agent in the world, but if you don't talk to people about real estate, you're not selling anything. It doesn't matter. You can have the best marketing, the cutest logo, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're not selling anything if you don't talk to people about real estate. And then number two is, can you convert? Because you could make a million contacts, but if you're horrible at your skills or you rub people the wrong way or whatever the case might be, or just aren't an expert in your field and don't know your market and your product well, then you may have a conversion issue. So the truth is we're really doubling down on the basics and trying to be really good at what realtors doing anyway. The game of selling homes really hasn't sold that or changed that much. There's always tweaks like where did the leads come from? Are there new techniques to introduce them to a lender? Are there new techniques to uh, convert them or find them the right lending package? Maybe they need to buy down, whatever the case might be. But the basics of sales and building relationships so that you can help people meet their goals don't change that much. We just have to double down on our daily habits and disciplines of doing those basics in order to meet our goals. Yeah. And I love that you're saying that because I, I think that when, you know, people hear me say that frequently, right? You know, and, and I think that a lot of times it, because I say it so much, I think it just goes in one ear and out the other, kind of like it does with your kids, right? When you're telling them something over and over again. But, you know, then you get a guy like a Donnie Morrow, come on, you know, 600 transactions a year, 60 agents on his team. I mean, the guy's a freaking bother. And so, of course, people are going to listen to Donnie. Uh, and I hope they do. I hope you guys are hearing him loud and clear. Because this is a guy who's been very successful through multiple different market cycles. And what you're saying, Donnie, is get back to the basics. Uh, and so let, let's let's do this. I'm I'm gonna I wanna come back to this part of the conversation in just a second. I wanna I wanna wrap up on on what's going on out there in the national media. Um, so I want to I want to shift back to that topic and then let's come back and we'll talk more about specifically what basics should we be doing and you know what are what's going to get the biggest results the fastest before we do that talk to us about this NAR lawsuit stuff you know all these you know you got agents getting sued you got we're seeing big teams getting sued now the big companies have gotten sued some have settled some are repealing and fighting some more 
where first of all, where do you see the whole thing going? And and first of all, what's it about? Where do you see it going? And how does it impact us as agents? Yeah, um, I'm involved, so or not involved, but fairly well acquainted with it, I guess you could say. I don't know if I know as much as I should or if I shouldn't, because who knows, right? What we should, how much time do we invest in it and spend on it? Um, what I do know is that it is it, it, the first decision came down probably somewhere between 30 and 90 days ago. Now, I don't even know when it was. More lawsuits have come out since then. And here's what has happened in my personal business. Nothing. So number one, while we are preparing to do everything that we can, we are preparing for, hey, our buyer agent is going to have to be better at earning their own commissions. Are we going to have to do more listings to survive because there's fewer buyer agents? However, all that works. Number one, we're being prepared to be really good at what we do and whatever we need to do to overcome the challenge on our team as, with as much knowledge as we have, which is kind of limited. Um, number so two- hold on, stop there. Before you go on to the next thing, I want to, in terms of being prepared, because, you know, we talked about, you know, your team being prepared. Are you guys changing? Like, are you are, are you going doubling down on transparency and making sure that, you know, sellers know that, hey, you don't have to pay the buyer agent a commission at all, or here's a, like, because I, w- I want some real tactical things agents can apply today to ensure that to the extent possible, and Donnie and I aren't attorneys just for full transparency, but, but and you should seek legal advice from your broker, from your attorney. But Donnie, as as one of the top producing agents in the world, I, I would su- I would suggest you're in the top seventy agents worldwide. Uh, what would you, what are you recommending people do to prepare for that? Discuss it with your attorney and your broker. I feel like probably the best thing we can do is a simple disclosure form that lets people know, hey, we don't require you to do anything. Right. Like it's up to you. We can discuss the pros and cons of both. But if you choose not to offer any buyer agent commission, we're going to honor that. And we're still going to market your home the same way. Um, And also be advised that even if you offer no commission to the buyer agent, you very well might get that on your contract to be prepared to negotiate it. And that's where I'm the expert to help you do that when it comes in. Yep. I love that. And so so I'm assuming that means, you know, in the very beginning, when you first meet with a buyer, no matter what, you're doing a buyer agency agreement. Like there's no. That's what we're working on getting to now. Absolutely. Um, You know, it's always been easy to put zero on a buyer agent representative and make it an easy form to get signed. And now we have to start doing the tough work of saying, hey, there are situations to where I may have to earn my income for you. Let me show you how I'm going to do that. And we will find a way to make it happen, whether we roll it into the price and increase the price of the home, whether we get you a deal somewhere else, whether we get some closing costs paid to help offset it, whatever those answers are, just know that I'm the expert in that area and I have these options for you and we'll work through it together. And overall, do you see that as being good or bad for the industry? It's going to be good for those people who get good at doing it, right? And for the people who can show their value. If you can't show your value and nobody wants to hire you now. So if you're the average agent and you sell four houses a year, how many people are you showing your value to every year right now? Four. What happens when that becomes more difficult? It may only be one, right? So I think depending on how well you decide to present yourself, um, you know, I we do get paid to some level for presenting well, right? As realtors, because it's one thing to be a great realtor, but you have to be able to present yourself and show your value as a great realtor. Because ultimately we're not selling a home. We're selling our personal customer service to helping people meet their real estate goals. Well, and how do you get better at presenting? Do more of it, right? 
Yeah, I mean, and, and so that I think that I think that honestly, I, I think that really favors the professional agents that are full time that are out there making the calls every day, doing the presentations every day. They're going to get better and better and better and better. And it's going to be like attorneys with re retainer agreements, right? It's going to be standard operating procedure. People are going to be used to doing it. The public eventually, and there will be a period of time, like between now and probably two years from now that it'll take before the public starts kind of getting used to this and it becomes more mainstream, more agents get used to it. And this kind of all kind of, you know, works itself out. Um, and I think that interim period is where the, the more aggressive, more active agents are going to have a big advantage. Uh, so absolutely. And I have personally spoken to several, well, not several under five, but a few um, sellers that asked me about commission. And I said, hey, you know, this is what I charge. And if you want to offer something to the buyer agent, we need to discuss that. You certainly don't have to. And I'm going to send you a form saying that. And every one of them is go, well, why would I not pay the buyer agent to bring the buyer to my house? So it has not been an issue for me personally at all. Yeah. And I, I love that you said that because I don't think it's going to be an issue for the sellers either. I mean, the reality is all we're doing is providing greater transparency. And at the end of the day, I think it's going to be good for everybody. I think it's going to be good for the agents. I think it's going to be good. Well, especially the more active ones. I think it's going to be for the sellers, good for the buyers. Uh, I think everybody's going to understand better what they're paying for. Uh, and by the way, these lawsuits guys aren't done yet. There's a long ways to go with them. Now, Donnie, you wanted to go deeper on the lawsuit piece. And so you want to come back to that real quick? Well, we can come back to that a little bit. Here's what I know about the lawsuit. Regardless of what it is, we have to be able to take action. I think awesome coach Lee Garland, one thing he said was, uh, if you knew that your ATM was going to quit working, you couldn't get your money out of it tomorrow, you would keep getting as much out of it as you could until it quit working. Um, and it's kind of like that. We don't know what's going to happen with it. We just have to keep maximizing our earning potential to take care of our families because some of us have invested an unbelievable amount of hours into being a professional at this business and building a fantastic business and taking great care of thousands of clients. Um, and it's interesting to be in a situation now where all of a sudden you almost feel like, oh, could this all be taken away when I did nothing except operate the way we've been operating for 100 years? So it's a really weird predicament. And all you can do is maximize where you are and be prepared. Dude, I love what you just said, the way you said that about the ATM thing. And I and I talk to Lee all the time and I I haven't heard that from him. That's freaking hilarious. But it's so true, right? I mean, if you know, the, and I just a shout out to Lee in the chat. And by the way, those of you that are watching us live on Facebook, type in your comments and your questions for Coach Donnie uh, and let us know what market you're in. I'm curious, who's where are you guys at? Where are you watching us from? Just type in what cities do you serve in the in the chat, please. Uh, but uh, but truth be told, yeah, I mean, we don't know if real estate's going to exist a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now. Uh, now, do I personally think that it's going to you know be you know like a lot of people thought travel agents were going to go out of business, and and the fact of the matter is the travel agent industry still exists today. You know what you know, Travelocity and Orbitz and those companies they didn't do away with that industry. What they did was consolidate it. What they did was. All the the weak, low, you know, the the kind of the lower level travel agents, they're gone. They're out. But the ones that were operating at a higher level, they make even more today than they ever did. Go ahead, Don. And here's the crazy thing. Have you tried to use a travel agent in the last 10 years? <laughs> we're saying all the low level ones got out of the business. And, and, and I hope I don't insult anyone who is an amazing travel agent out there. Certainly, you know, they got their business to run my general result when I have tried to contact a travel agent, it's hard to even get one to return a phone call. And that's after the internet came out. So 
there you go. I think you're right. And I think a lot of that is a lot of them are doing business by referral nowadays. And, you know, I mean, look at the real estate industry and, and for, for our industry, I, I, I've never been in the travel industry, so I can't speak to them as much, but, but when it comes to the real estate industry, for sure, I can say that I think there's just a lot of laziness and laziness and apathy and entitlement on the part of a lot of real estate agents out there. And, uh, and they just That's society. I don't want to put that just on real estate agents. It's okay. just society. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, you can log on to Facebook or social media any day of the week and find posts about, Oh, you shouldn't be working 40 hours a week. And your boss is just going to replace you the day you die. And, you know, unfortunately that's the society we live in. So yeah, I think you're right, Donnie. I think you're absolutely right about that. So, okay. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. What do we do? Where does that go? What's happening there? Like, where do you see the country going right now? I mean, do, like, is this is this going to get better or is this going to continue to get worse? Because, man, you know, I, I, trying to hire somebody that has a work ethic nowadays is super hard. It, it is. And the, the great thing about it, of course, before we dig into it, is if you do have a work ethic, you're already ahead of like 95 percent of the people out there. OK, uh, so when both my kids were 16, started getting jobs, I was like, if you'll just show up on time, you're ahead of 80 percent of your competition. Like just show up on time. You're already there. Right. And of course, my daughter's 28 now. So that was 12 years ago when I was telling her that. Um so number one, there are some huge advantages for you if you do have work ethic and you are willing to get out there because whether you work as a real estate agent, you work for a company as an employee, whatever the case might be, if you are a fantastic employee, they don't want to lose you because you're hard to replace. And I think we lose sight of that oftentimes of what the opportunity is there for somebody who does have work ethic and does work really hard. So that's the first thing. Second thing, I don't know if there's been studies done on if they're cycles. Like, has this happened in the past? Like in the 1950s, were people really lazy? And then in the 70s and 80s, maybe they came back and now they're really, I don't know. I'd love to see a study on that if there's ever been kind of like maybe there's political cycles or what have you. I would love to see a study on that to see if it comes back. I personally hope that it does come back because it seems like every service that you try to get is just a nightmare um, to get it out there. Don't know what all the answers are there. Um, where I would go with this, though, is real estate is much harder than most people think. I think most people get into real estate thinking I never have to clock in. The truth is you never clock out. It is basically a 24-7 business. By the way, like a lot of entrepreneurs have a 24-7 sure. business, right? So we're not any different from them. Um, so I think we have to realize that going in. So you mentioned, you've mentioned several times dual career agents or triple career or, or whatever, however many careers people have. And I will put out there that it is very, very hard to serve two gods. I know it has to be done for some agents, at least for a short period of time. I personally did it for 18 months, so I don't discourage anyone to get my career started. Um, so it definitely can be done. But I think people struggle with that and they struggle languishing in that area to where they have to give up one because they can only spend so much time away from their family working two full-time jobs for so long. And then unfortunately, if they haven't devoted enough to the real estate, the real estate is what falls by the wayside because they fall back into the comfort of that job. Think about it this way. What if that job lays you off tomorrow? What if you take two years and you languish in that area and then your real estate suffers and you never succeed in real estate and then you give up real estate and then a month later, your job lays you off? Well, you would have been a whole lot better, better off to live off your live out your dreams and seize the opportunity in real estate. So I think that's a big deal when it comes to multiple streams of income and it comes to dual career agents. You really got to look at what you're doing there and how long you can do that for and, and how you you set that up. Um, so there you go. It takes a lot of work ethic, a lot of work to do it. 
what's the cycle? I don't know. I hope it comes back. Um, but I do want to give a message of hope out there that it can be done. And I'm a testament to that, that you can do it dual career and then go on to carry out whatever your dreams are in your real estate world. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen, you know, we talked about Amber Flynn Jared, right? A good friend of yours and mine, uh, one of our coaches at Club Wealth. You know, she's, you know, I was having this conversation with her back in uh, November. And she says, Michael, you know, my top five producers were all dual career agents at one point. In fact, so was I. And she's a team leader doing, she's, you know, 500 deals a year, right? 497 deals, I think she did this last year. Uh, and so, you know, there's nothing wrong with being dual career. The key is though, that it's not part-time and that, and that's, that's really the, the, the thing that I think people miss, you know, it's the dual career means I'm working full-time over here and I'm working full-time over here. I and mean, that's just what it takes. And, and you may even say, if you're going to be part-time in one, you're going to be part-time in your day job, but not real estate. If you're going to succeed in real estate, truth be told, you're going to have to put in the time and it's going to be a lot of work, but those that put in the work, man, the rewards are there. They really are. Absolutely. And, and we find ourselves being so spoiled on the other side of that now, right? Now we're like, oh, we might have to make some phone calls in between Christmas and New Year's. Well, guess what? My wife has to be back at work January 26th, and she has to work next week like it's any other week. Yep. Uh, not only that, she almost didn't even get Christmas Eve off to go to our family Christmas party because she has a job, right? <laughs> so yep. I would much rather make my sacrifices in the real estate world so that I can at least control my schedule somewhat. Yeah, and, but okay. To your point, though, wh what you're saying is, hey, look, the sacrifice I've got to make is I've got to work harder than most people, most you know, most of the time. But I get to take a lot of time off when I really want to take that time off. Uh, and so I think I think that people only see the Facebook side of real estate, right? I think that you know everybody out there they're looking, they're like, oh, these real estate agents, they make all this money, they have all this freedom, they really don't have to work, they just get money, just falls in their lap. You know, somebody says, oh, I want to buy a house, and so they just it just comes to them easily. And that's just not true for 99% of the real estate agents out there. It, it is not true at all. And, and on, on that, if you want the secret to success to being a new agent, I think one of the big secrets to success is don't think you're wasting your time. Because I think people see that on Facebook that, oh, and they have other agents. Oh, I don't, I don't cold call people. I'm not, I'm not messing with anybody if they're not pre-approved. I'm not even going to talk to them if they're not blah, 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 whatever their standard is. And I think brand new agents hear that. And then the first time they get a lead, it doesn't pan out. They're like, oh, nobody wastes my time. And I'm like, you're Ubering to pay your bills. Your time's not worth that much. Nothing against, I mean, if you got to Uber to pay your bills, by all means do it. But let's not get so caught up in not spending yeah. our 15 or $20 an hour time that we miss out on making $200 an hour. Mm -hmm. and, and I think so many new realtors do get caught up in that. I got news for you. You're in sales. Somebody's going to waste your time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, I, I and think that, that kills careers. It does because people get to the point where they 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 forget to serve, right? What they do is they they become entitled. They want to make people jump through their herbs. Perfect example, you know, I'm not going to show you houses until you get pre-approved with my lender, right? I mean, I see this all the time, and I, you know, I, I give you an example. Like I was looking at houses at one point. We we were looking at these houses up in the mountains. And this gal, she had a two and a half million dollar house listed and Tara and I were wondering where it was and it was listed as undisclosed address. Asked the gal where it's at. She's like, well, I can't tell you that. I got to make sure you're pre-approved first. I said, well, okay, well, we can pay cash for it. And she says, oh, well, in that case, I have to see proof of funds. 
I'm like, lady, like this is the first time I've ever spoken to you on the phone, and you're telling me I have to sh I have to show you my bank account so that you'll let me know what the address of the property is you're trying to sell. That's how spoiled and entitled that we've become in this industry. And I'm not saying everybody's like this. I'm saying that some agents have taken that tack. Donnie, it's offensive to me. I got to tell you. And, and so I've always told people, I, I say, you know, being a great real estate agent, one of the things you have to understand is that it, it, you have to convert like a drug dealer, <laughs> right? So what do drug dealers do, right? They, they give you a little taste of the product and then it's, you know, first one's free, then you got to pay, Right. And I, I believe you subscribe to the same belief that, look, you'll show anybody a house once. Is, is that true? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, think about this. What's the worst thing that happens, Donnie? Let's say that person can't afford the house. Is there still something? Can you still win together with them somehow? Absolutely. Anything could happen. They could refer you to somebody even if they can't afford any house. And sometimes they do because they're appreciative that you were the person who took the time to try to help them whether they could be helped or not, right? Like that's the way it works. So I can remember a lady that I sold a house to and she was so appreciative because she spoke to multiple agents who would not help her buy a house under a hundred thousand. And keep in mind, I was selling like a hundred houses a year at that point. Mm -hmm. And I helped her with her $80,000 house. Well, a couple of years later, I got to resell that house for 150. But literally like every other month, she called me and said, hey, I'm out of giving out your business cards. Can you mail me some more? Right. Because I, I don't know what came of that, but I'll tell you, you don't get that very often. And I got that because I was willing to help her when five other agents had told her they wouldn't help her because it was under a hundred thousand. Okay. So, so let me, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. First of all, I agree with you. I, like I'm a hundred percent on the same page with you, but, but there's agents out there that would say, oh, but then she's only going to refer other, you know, $80,000 buyers to you. And I don't want to work with $80,000 buyers. There's just no money in that. What would you say to them? Uh, first of all, I'll work with the $80,000 buyer. And second of all, every, uh, er I don't want to say this the bad way, but every dud knows a stud. Um, <laughs> so, I don't want that to sound bad, but why are we so judgmental? Just because somebody's buying an $80,000 house, how do you know their parents don't live in a million dollar house? What if my daughter who's 28 was buying an $80,000 house and she referred you to me? I buy decent houses, <laughs> right? So hello. So let's quit judging people. See, that's the, that's the thing in real estate. We claim that we get in business because we love helping people. But then it turns out that we love helping people as long as they do it by our terms, on our timeline, when we want them to do it. They say it the way we want them to say it. They buy the house we want them to buy at the interest rate we want them to buy at. And it's just ridiculous that we claim that we're doing it for other people. Now, that's cool. If you're going to operate that way, operate that way, but just be honest. Hey, I'm in it for myself and here's the guidelines I set. If you're going to be willing to help people where they are, then you can say, hey, I'm in this to help other people. I love that you just addressed that because I think in this industry, I, I think it's 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 comical a lot of times to hear some agents, and it's not all agents. There's some wonderful agents out there that work really hard for their clients and that are really, you know, that they really do care about their clients and they deliver wonderful customer service. Uh, and Donnie, I know you and, and, and the agents on your team are among those. Um, but then there's other agents out there that, that to your point, you know, they, they, they're willing to serve you if you'll meet their conditions uh, and the conditions are many. And, and if not, then they just don't have the time for you. And I just think, yeah, you know, we're in a service industry. At what point did we forget to serve people? At what point did we forget to be compassionate, to care about people and, 
And what do we need to do to bring that back? What, what do we need to do to fix that as an industry? And I'm, I'm curious. I mean, because, you know, I think NER would say that they're they're doing that with their code of ethics and all this, but I don't, I don't think the code of ethics covers compassion or actual care of another human being. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think we need to be careful that we don't pick on realtors again. I think it's a societal mm -hmm. problem. Have you mm -hmm. gone and picked up a medicine from a pharmacy recently? Right? Like even people who are legal drug dealers, that's what they do all day is sell medicine. They act like you're a nuisance to them. They took the job. They're there already. It's not like they're going anywhere. They are exchanging that pharmacy's dollars for their hours of work, but yet it's a problem to hand somebody a pill bottle, right? So I don't think we need to pick on realtors. I think that's a society problem again. So okay. Here's so how do we in real estate. In real estate, it could be amplified because that same person that works at that pharmacy that didn't care about their patients there, and I'm using pharmacy because my wife's a pharmacy tech and I know she cares about her patients, um, but the same people who didn't care about their patients there can go tomorrow and pass a real estate test. And now they're a real estate agent with the same attitude. And it's worse because now they don't have a pharmacist supervising them. That's right. And they're not on the clock and they're not captive to being behind that counter. So now it's even worse. I think you just nailed it. I, I really do. Because along with a lot of that freedom comes a, a, a distinct lack of supervision in our industry. Um, and and there's a, a tremendous ease of acquisition of that real estate license, right? It's it's pretty easy to get a real estate. If, you, if you've, got, you've got a modicum of intelligence and you test okay, right? Like you're not a terrible, terrible test taker, then you know you probably get a real estate license. Uh, the difference between having a real estate license though and being successful as a real estate agent. So I, as we shift gears on topics here, I'd like to start that. I'd, start, I'd like to start down that road with you, Donnie. Brand new real estate. So I want to talk, I'm, I'm going to ask you about brand new agents. And I'm going to ask you about team leaders and, 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 you know, like emerging team leaders and then bigger team leaders. If I'm a brand new agent, I'm a tier one, you know, brand, you know, pretty, pretty new into the business. What do I do to get started? What can I do to get going and, be, and start making money in real estate right away? Sure. So I love this. Um, and I don't know that everybody always loves my answer. I'm a, I'm an old school phone guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is cheap. It doesn't cost you a lot of money. You don't have to take a lot of risk other than putting your ego out there that somebody might say something to you you don't like. Uh, but that's how I start. It's how I did start. I'm the guy who the day before I had my real estate license, I had my SOI on index cards in a box on three by five cards. And the day my license was issued, I started calling my SOI. Guess what? That's where my first transaction came from. I got my first house under contract 30 days in, had my first closing 60 days in. But it was because I got on the phone call the day my real estate license was active. Or what I got did on the you phone call. Okay. When, when you called them, what did you tell them? What did you say to these people that you called from your school? Oh, my goodness. I remember something along the lines of, uh, uh, no, uh, it probably wasn't quite that bad. It wasn't easy. Uh, no, it was simple as, hey, I got my real estate license. I'm super excited. I just wanted to let you know, if you know anyone who is looking to buy or sell a house, I'd love to help them out. Like It was really that simple of, hey, I have a license. Please think about me. Right? It's almost yeah. what it was. And, and that was just all I knew to say at that time. So what uh, what was the response you got? You know, did you get it? Was everybody like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna send you all my people," or were some of them like, "Oh yeah, okay, well, appreciate you calling me." You know, like I'm I'm wondering if there was some skepticism because you'd been a police officer before and now you're brand new in the real estate business. 
So I think I had a small advantage that people knew I had a good work ethic. A lot of times people would hear that I got a real estate license. And because they knew I worked hard in the restaurant industry and they knew I worked hard as a police officer, they'd go, I'd buy a house from you. Like literally, that would be the response I'd get because they already knew me and trusted me. People yeah. will do business with people they know mm -hmm. like and trust. So I do think I had an advantage based on my work ethic prior to getting that license. Okay. It doesn't mean you can't do it without that. It just means I had set myself up by coincidence in that situation. So yes probably 98% were, hey, if I think of somebody, I'll be happy to let you know, you know, hope everything goes well for you. Probably one or 2% were kind of like, yeah, right? Like there's a couple in there that's kind of like, don't call me, I'll call you if I need anything. <laughs> but there weren't a lot of those. So, but I love that you reached out to your sphere of influence, which means you got really specific about, you know, first you, you know, you were doing it on three by five cards. You didn't even have a CRM. Heck, you didn't even have a spreadsheet, let alone a CRM. What a CRM was. <laughs> Okay. But now you do. Now you've got a CRM and uh, and you use that CRM. You and all of your agents use that CRM. Uh, and I'm assuming you've got systems in place now where every time a new agent comes onto your team, probably one of the first things you do is you have them put all the people in the CRM. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. We have them upload their SOI into the CRM. Uh, they are labeled that it's their SOI so that we know where it came from so that the agent is protected as well, so that they have their database. And we certainly have a minimum call standard when they come on a team. We're looking for 200 or 500 dials the first two weeks that they are on our team, but that can include their SOI. So if they bring 200 people, then it's 200 dials to your SOI, 300 dials from our database of previous leads. So you said 500 dials in the first two weeks? That's the goal. It's only 250 dials a week, man. That's pretty easy. That's right. It's 50 a day. And here's the deal. If they can't make 50 dials a day when they're brand new and excited, they're never going to do it when they have a little bit of burnout and they're busy, right? That like. Yeah. That, that's why we do it, not because we want to kill them. Yes, it's enough for them to learn how to use the CRM and click the buttons. It's enough for them to get a little bit of practice on the phone and have some conversations. On average, about 17 to 18% out of our pond to answer when they make those calls. Uh, so, you know, if they make 500, that's what, about 80 or 90 conversations that they get to have. Now, think about this. How many of those realtors out there selling four houses a year have 100 conversations specifically about real estate? even in a quarter, some of them possibly in a year. So our brand new agents are having somewhere between 80 and 100 conversations and then some follow-up conversations on top of that, but 80 to 100 unique conversations the first two weeks they're in business if they do what we train them to do. Well, and that's the thing. Would they do that if they were on their own is the big question too, right? And, and this is that, that actually- 100% won't. That's my thought too. And so I want to I ask you this. There's a lot of agents, I get this all the time, all the time, surprisingly often, where agents will ask me, Michael, what should I do as a brand new agent? Should I go and just be a solo agent at uh, you know, a, a different brokerage you know, or some brokerage? Or should I open my own brokerage or should, should I join a team? What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? So here's my thoughts on this. Man, I love this question. We know that approximately 80% of the agents that get a license are not going to be in business in two years. Mm -hmm. regardless of the splits, regardless of what you wanted to do, if your dream was to be successful and sell real estate, I know that 80% of the people who got a real estate license are better off on a team and being in business with a high split two years from now than they are not being in business and not living out their dream. Mm -hmm. 
So that's my first thought is 80% of everybody who gets a license should be on a team without a doubt because they just need the support. Now, of the 20% that are left, how many of them should be on a team because they kept the license, but they only sold three houses a year? If that's their goal, by all means, go for it. That's your goal. That you, you want to sell three houses a year. Maybe that's enough to take the kids on a Disney cruise or two. Pretty awesome if that's your goal. I love it. More power to you. But if your goal is to make a significant living, then there's a certain percentage of that other 20% that should probably also be on the team because instead of the average thirty dollars or $40,000 a year that most realtors make, I think team agents probably are averaging a lot closer to double that or even three times that. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting. I don't have the actual statistics on that. I should. Uh, but yeah, there's no question that team agents make more money than solo agents do uh, if, if you're comparing them straight up. Uh, so, okay, that's awesome. So let's let's do this. I want, in the interest of time, I, I want to make sure because I want to talk to team leaders for a minute. So let's say I've, I've done okay as a real estate agent and I want to be like Donnie Morrow. I want to grow a team. I, you know, I, I want to build a team, grow a team. I want to become really successful. What, first of all, how do I know if that's right for me? And then second of all, if it is, if I determine that it is the right move for me, how do I proceed forward? How do I make that happen? Love this question. So I want to point out that I'm nothing special. I just worked really hard consistently in order to have a team. And I didn't start off wanting a team. I adjusted my goals as I met them until I got to the point where I'm like, oh, I should have a team. I realistically, but also jokingly, often say that the reason I hired my first assistant is because my wife was complaining about me never coming home. And that's a true story. And then I hired my assistant. And then a few months later, she's like, you're still never home. I'm like, fine, I'll start hiring agents. That's kind of how the Mara group got started. Okay. But it's a, you know, it's just an adjustment of goals. And I say that to say anyone, for the most part, can do it. The second part of that is, though, it is a different skill set. So you can be an amazing real estate agent, but not have what it takes. I, I want to say this gently because it's not all you. Not have the, the personality or mindset or the heart to be a team leader because once you become a team leader, you are managing people. It is no longer about taking amazing care of your clients. It is now about managing people because you have to manage those people in order for you to be able to afford to make a living and make your team viable. And I think there's a lot of people who start teams on the lender and agent side that can never make that transition. They were amazing agent, amazing lender, but they can't manage the people and build a team. So you got to think about that. And then lastly, I look at it as a production. I see people sometimes that have done 10 or 15 deals a year that go, oh, I'm going to start a team. If you don't have the ability to give up some profit to start a team, you don't, you aren't in a position to take on the responsibility of taking on someone else's family. So not only do you need to have pretty good production to where you are making more than what your minimum is that you need to make, and whether that number is double, maybe, you know, if you say, well, my family is happy at 100 grand, well, maybe you need to be making 150 or 200 before you start a team. And you probably need to be doing that while paying an assistant, then you might be ready to start a team. Uh, And then you have to know if this is my plan and I'm going to go to the listing side and I'm going to have my team member do all buyers, can I live and make the profit I want to make just on the listing side? And do I have the ability and the discipline to take the time that I was putting in the buyers and go out and double that listing side over the next year with that same amount of time? Yeah. I, I mean, that, I think people, when, when when they first start thinking about this, it's just, oh, well, I think I can make more money as a team leader, so I'm just going to go do that. And they don't realize all the stuff that goes into it. And they also don't realize that, hey, look, you know what? 
yeah, there will come a time, hopefully at some point when you're big enough that you'll make more money as a team leader. But the reality is in the beginning, when you're, you know, let's say you're in tier two, 25 to 75 transactions a year and you start building a team. Reality is you go backwards before you go forwards. You're going to you're gonna spend money to be able to build that team long before. So it's going to take away from your net income uh, long before your net income goes up. And frankly, even into tier three, you're going to have team members that are making more than you are as the team leader. And you're going to have months where you lose sometimes a lot of money as a team leader. And Donnie, I love the way you put this, that you need to be prepared that when you hire someone, you're taking on the responsibility for their family. And so you need to be aware of these things. And if you're not, then you need to ask yourself, should I really be starting a team? And, you know, am I doing it for the right reasons? Because if you do it for the wrong reasons, it won't last and it'll it'll you'll it'll burn through your money and you'll burn out and, and you'll burn a lot of other people around you out. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I I think I say that because teams sometimes get a bad name, not because anybody wanted to do anything wrong, but somebody says, oh, I sold 15 houses last year. Now I'm going to start a team. And then unfortunately, they aren't able to nurture that agent and build them up because they have to make they have to keep selling those 15 to pay their own bills. And then unfortunately, it gives teams a bad name and word spread. And it wasn't that person was trying to not take care of their agent. They just didn't know what they didn't know. That's exactly right. And so, but I, to your point, I do think that teams do get a bad name. And I think that people think that they, they they have a bad experience with the team and they assume that the entire team is that way or that all teams are that way, even worse. And the reality is people are people. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, I think, you know, there's good teams, there's bad teams, there's good people, there's bad people, there's good people that screw up. There's, you know, bad people that do well. There's, there, I mean, it's just people are people. Um, and so Donnie, what would, what would you say in, in wrapping us up today, what would you say an, a real estate agent today should think about going into 2024? What is your daily discipline to meet your goals, right? Nothing else matters if you don't treat it like a job every day and get up. And so you got to have a target and then you got to know what you got to do to hit that target. And then you've got to have the discipline to know this is what I've got to do every day in order to be moving in that direction. I just think that's the biggest thing is if yeah. you've got to have the daily discipline day after day. I hate to use the term treat it like a job because I think that gives people a little bit of a negative connotation that, oh, I didn't work jobs, but treat it like a business. Treat it like this. Treat it like you opened a restaurant and you had $5 million in the bank and you built the best restaurant ever and it cost you all $5 million. And if it shuts down, you're going to go from being a five a multimillionaire to being broke on the street. If you treat it like that, then you'll have the daily discipline to do what you need to do to move forward. Great advice. Love that. All right. So, Donnie, someone wants to get a hold of you. They want to just, you know, learn a little bit more about you. Maybe they want to join your team. Maybe they just want some advice. Maybe they want to, you know, I know you're uh, you're at EXP. So maybe they want to join your downline so that they can learn from you as part of your organization. Uh, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah. So they can call my cell, 901-409-5168. They can reach out to me through Facebook, Donnie Morrow, the Morrow Group, however you want to look me up. I'm big on Facebook. Um, and phone, call me, text me, DM me. I'm available. I love it. Guys, I hope you guys paid close attention to great notes. Donnie Morrow, uh, Club Wealth Coach, EXP Real Estate Agent in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and let me tell you, this man is doing literally 
uh, you know, 600 plus transactions a year. The guy has done so much business already and is continuing to do more. If you if you appreciate what you've learned today, please give him a shout out in the comments. I know I appreciate everything you shared with us today, Donnie. And I, and I do agree with your outlook. I think that uh, those that work hard, those that knuckle down and really have a game plan coming into 2024, follow their perfect daily schedule, get the right habits in place. They're going to have a great year. I, I think... I think we're positioning for a handful of people to gain just a ton of market share and have the best year they've had yet in this business. Uh, so thank you for joining us and uh, we'll see you on a subsequent uh, Global TV down the road. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Donnie. You bet. 87%. Yeah, that's the percentage of all real estate agents that get in the business today that'll be gone in two years. Let me tell you something. Why is there so much turnover in real estate? Because it isn't easy. And because most people don't know exactly what they need to do to get to the next level. Now look, regardless of whether you're brand new to the industry or, you've, or you're a team leader, you've got 40 people on your team and you just want to get to the next level. If you're doing 10 transactions a year, you want to get to 25. You're doing 500 transactions a year, you want to get to 1,000. You're at 1,000, you want to get to 10,000. Let me tell you something. You need the right coach. Why? Because Club Wealth is the only coaching company on the planet that will literally guarantee that you will double your income or make at least an extra $100,000 your first year coaching with us, or we will give you 100% of your investment back. This is for people of all levels. Click the link below, sign up for the appropriate tier level, and let's get you a strategy session today. And I promise you, I 100% guarantee you, promise you that you will walk away with a heart full of gratitude for the time that we took for you because you got so much value out of that call. Schedule your strategy session today. I promise you'll be glad you did. Sign up for a strategy session at clubwealth.com slash strategy session.